and our courses are they're long they're like five to ten hours long but they're only like in 10 minute increments so you can get a really good bite size course with a small quiz and a quiz has maybe five questions in it 10 minutes five to ten minutes at a time so it's it's much more for the student that um, that wants to control when they learn Welcome to Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's Guide to U.S. Real Estate, a podcast for international investors and real estate entrepreneurs looking to break into the U.S. market. G'day, g'day, guys, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's Guide to U.S. Real Estate, the number one podcast geared towards helping international investors break into the U.S. market and start buying cash-flowing deals. From Los Angeles, I'm your host, Reed Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Now, as you know, this show is all about educating my loyal listeners about the benefits of investing in U.S. cash-flowing real estate. Now, if you want to join the community of cracking entrepreneurs, then subscribe to my podcast. We are on iTunes, we're on Stitcher, we're on SoundCloud. Anywhere you podcast, we are there. Make sure you subscribe. And if you leave a comment on the iTunes, I, in return, I will share with you my brand spanking new ebook. Just shoot me a screenshot of your comment and email it to me at info at rsmpropertygroup.com. And in return, you'll receive my new ebook, which is a summary of how to start raising capital like a pro. It is entitled The Art and Science of Raising Capital Like a Pro, The 4P Rule. And in this book, I will walk you through some of the techniques that I've developed over the last couple of years, which has helped me raise a lot of money for my syndication business. So if you guys want a copy, jump on iTunes, leave a review, shoot me the screenshot at info at rsmpropertygroup.com and I'll flick you over the ebook. All right, let's get cracking into today's show. Today, I'm extremely honored to have with me an incredible entrepreneur, a successful real estate agent, and a Wall Street bestseller, Pat Hyben. If you haven't heard of Pat, don't worry, I'll fill you in. He is quite an incredible man. Um, Pat has over 28 years ex investing experience. He first made a name for himself as a real estate agent, obtaining his license back in 1987. Over the years, Pat was an incredibly hard worker, and in 2004, he became the number one Remax real estate agent in the world. In 2005, he left Remax to open Pat Highburn Real Estate Group, which was an independent company. A year later, Pat partnered with Keller Williams. And in that same year, Pat earned another award for becoming the number one real estate agent in the world with Keller Williams. So two of them. In 2010, he sold his business. He then embarked on a book tour of his book, Six Steps to Seven Figures, A Real Estate Professional's Guide to Building Wealth and Creating Your Destiny. With the help of an introduction written personally by Gary Keller, the book went on to sell over 20,000 copies and hit number six on the New York Times bestsellers list. In 2014, Pat launched his uh, his own podcast, which was Pat Hybrid Interviews Real Estate Rockstars, which has over 1 million unique downloads. He currently owns and operates Rebus University, an online tra training program for salespeople and entrepreneurs. Mate, pretty incredible stuff. Enough out of me. Let's get him out here. G'day, Pat. Welcome to the show. G'day, Reed. What's going on, buddy? How you doing today, mate? I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah, gearing up for the weekend or what? Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. Nice. Definitely got some fun things planned. Nice, nice. So, uh, Pat, I was just giving you an incredible introduction. Uh, I just briefly t- outlined some of the achievements that you, you've you know achieved to date, which is pretty incredible. But do you want to elaborate a little bit more on your background, how you got involved in real estate, why you got involved in real estate? And then, you know, over the last 28 years, you've just had so much success. Just explain a little bit more about your story. Sure. Um, okay, so it wasn't by... Uh, design other than maybe the universe's design. I, you know, I graduated college without direction. Um, I wanted to be a probation officer. Um, the, the, the waiting list to get a government job as a probation officer was like a year and a half. Um, so I got in, I got my real estate license just because it seemed like a cool thing to do. And, uh, you know, there was no barrier to entry really. So I got my real estate license at 21 years old and I just started selling houses. I just, I just did that. And then uh, my first year I sold 10 houses. I made 13,200 bucks and, uh, I lived in a townhouse with three other guys paid like $210 a month for a room. And, um, you know, I just kind of built my way up from there. And then over the course of time, I started to build a large real estate team. We went on to sell thousands of thousands of houses. Um, you know, went to, I worked at five different major brokerages, went to the top, became the top agent at most of those brokerages. And then in 2010, I sold my team business to my partner, Mike Sloan, who still runs it today. And I'm still profiting from it today. Then uh, I became an investor. Well, I was always an investor, but I became more focused on that. Started investing in more properties and more companies. Ended up with about 57 lines of horizontal income. And I say horizontal read because that uh, means a passive line coming horizontally. And um, uh, then uh, I bought a house in South Carolina. And I also have one in Maryland. My wife and I go back and forth between the two houses and uh, life is good. Nice, nice, man. Well, I, before we dive into you know the nuts and bolts of today's show, I wanted to sort of dive a little bit more into your success because in the introduction I, I mentioned, and, and you just mentioned that you'd been – You've been twice the number one real estate agent in the world for two two separate companies. That's pretty incredible. So, talk to me about the mindset of how that someone does achieve that level of success as a real estate agent. It's more, in my opinion, it's more a mindset of of naivety. You know, it's more a mindset of not knowing what you don't know. You know, I I don't think it was at the time uh, a realization that. Hmm. It's hard to, it's really hard to say. It's uh, hard to say about what the mindset is. I think, I think the mindset is just being so excited about growing. You know, in both of those instances, I was um, very, very excited about what we were doing. And it was a really, really fun process of hiring new people, creating marketing to get people to call. Um, listing houses, selling houses, and gaining commissions, and profiting from the commissions, and it was, it was, it, it was just very. Both times, it was extremely uh, blissful. It was fun. It was, and I think the mindset is you just have to have fun with it. You just have to be excited about it. 
um, more than anything. And was that really your first taste of being an entrepreneur? You sort of, even though you're working for these brokerage companies, you sort of were, you know, writing your own script, so to speak. You know, you were in control of teams, and as you're saying, you know, doing all the marketing and seeing the excitement of of people coming through the door and then getting gaining profit from you know the commission. So, did that was that your first taste at entrepreneurship? I wouldn't say no. It was my first. I mean, my first taste of entrepreneurship happened, I think, when, uh, well, the the day, okay, the day that I decided never to uh, trade time for money again happened when I was 20 years old. I got a job. I was working as a um, a meat slicer at a deli, making eight dollars <laughs> an hour, 40 hours a week, and I. I basically, it might have been, was it four? It might have been four. Yeah, it was $4 an hour. I'm sorry. So, but, but, but anyways, uh, so I was slicing, I was slicing meat and um, a buddy of mine said, hey, you know, I, I got this gig on selling timeshares. It wasn't actually selling timeshares. You had to walk up to people and give them a coupon for a free dinner if they went and took a three-hour tour at a timeshare development. And if I if I got somebody to go to this presentation, I got fifty dollars. So what happened was I uh, my first week doing that as a part time job, um, I became the number one person the first day. Like I sold five of these. I got five people to go to this three hour tour. It was it was really funny, Reed. What happened was basically I was. Uh, the second day on the job, I was standing there and they have this group sales meeting and they post all the numbers and every person, it was about 20 kids, has a number. My number was 101 and they posted this thing and it said, you know, number 22 got two people to go, number 49 got one person to go, blah, blah, blah. And, and then it said 101 got five people to go. And there was this kid named Danny. He, they used to call him the golden boy. He was always the number one salesperson every day. And he saw 101 as, as getting five sales, and he only had gotten four sales. And he turned to his buddy, who, who they happened to be standing in front of me, but they didn't know me from Adam. And he says, who in the F is 101? <laughs> and I remember standing there thinking to myself, hey, that's me, you know. Um, here I am, the new guy, and look at this. And and the funny thing was, I had made like two hundred fifty bucks in a day, and I realized, geez, I'm not even making that much slicing meats in a week. And uh, literally, I never went back to the meat slicer thing. I just stopped showing up for work. I just went, <laughs> I just went to this new job the next day, and it was like I can do this again. That's awesome. Uh, it sounds like you have a bit of a an, uh, a gift for the gab. Is that you know, so to speak? You know, you can you got good sales technique from a young age. Is is that right? Yeah, I think that um, you know, I mean, there's certainly better salespeople than me. I, I'm not like this guy that is like so massively eloquent and smooth. I think I just, I'm just gregarious. I like people. I like to laugh with people, and and I'm a hard worker. You know what I mean? And I listen. Uh, you know, I mean, the guy, the our boss. I remember our boss. He was telling us. He said, "I got two things for you." He said, "Don't wear sunglasses. Don't wear a baseball cap." Wear a collared shirt, and when you look at somebody, look in, look diagonal in their other eye. Meaning, you know, like you're looking, like if I'm standing in front of you, you're walking down a street. I look diagonally to your other eye and just stare at it and don't let go. 
And at 20 years old, I had never been told any of these things. You know what I mean? Like I had no preparation. So I just did what he said and it worked. And I think a lot of the other kids weren't, you know, didn't pay attention to what he said. He said, you know, say these sentences. And I just repeated the sentences so many times that it just became more of a natural conversation. Right, right. And then, as you said, you like to listen to people and let people talk. I think that's that's hugely important for all those salespeople out there listening to the show because, hey, it's just it's not it's not rocket science, right? <laughs> it's just yeah, about, exactly. It's about being a people person. Yeah, it's like Dale Carnegie says: don't you know? Don't be interesting. Be interested. Yes. Yeah. It's like going on a first date, right? You you, you always want to ask them what they're into. You never don't talk about yourself. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah. So Pat, we mentioned in the beginning you have fifty seven horizontal lines of, of income. Do you want to elaborate a little bit on what you are receiving income from and, and how have you built up fifty seven? That's such a large number and, and, and how did you get to fifty seven? Okay, so I'll first of all, I'll answer your question directly because I don't like when people go on shows and they don't answer anything directly. So, so, uh, you know, without looking at the list, this is the best I'll do. I, I have about 10 houses, like single family houses in the University of Maryland College Park and in Baltimore City. The ones in College Park rent to college students. The ones in Baltimore City are all Section 8 uh, government housing rentals. Um, the, um, I have about seven, uh, apartment buildings that I'm a part owner in, uh, through a company called DAPT Acquisitions, which is me and uh, three other guys. Um, I have a shopping center I have uh, that I, that I own with two other guys. I have, let's see, 16 companies. Um, some, you, you know, some of these companies I've given as little as 20 grand. Some I've given as much as you know, 200 and some thousand or more. I have about five different note products where, you know, I'm loaning money to people, whether it be to flip houses or to, to contribute to a lawsuit or whatever, various, various notes. Um, and then I, I have a buddy, David Osborne, who owns a debt company that buys bad debt and I have a couple of notes uh, that I'm doing with him. So, you know, I, 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 it ends up being, you know, fluctuating between, say, 50 and 60 at all times. Right. Interesting. Interesting. And so a lot of people, I'm sure the questions coming across their lips is, how did you become or did you become an expert in all these different fields of investing? Or did you just trust the people that you're investing with and trust their systems? How did, how did you work with, uh, to be over 57 different uh, income streams? Um, yeah, I would say yes to both. I mean, the, most of them are real estate related. It wasn't until the, the market crashed in 2008, around 2010, I sold my, my team business to Mike. And then I, I wrote a book, which by the way, is, is another line of passive income. You know, um, uh, you know, I'll sell a couple a day and, and then I also made an audio version of which I sell a couple a day. And so both of those can, are considered intellectual property lines, and I count those too. So when I, after I did that and went on book tour, I came back, I decided to be an investor. And uh, if you ever read The Alchemist, the, the author talks about something called beginner's luck. <laughs> 
Go on. I'm listening. <laughs> and, and, you know, beginner's luck is true for any businessman man, it's a, or woman. It's a phenomenon that, that happens. Generally, when you start a new business or you start a new venture, you have beginner's luck. It's, you, you know, you open a store, everybody comes. You open a restaurant, everybody comes. You, you, you know, you're excited. You actually listen to what mentors tell you and you do the right things and the universe brings you beginner's luck. And um, so I think the same thing happened with me when I decided to become an investor. What happened was I, 2008, you know, the, the banks weren't loaning money to anybody. I mean, pretty much there was a, a huge, you know, blockage in the pipe system that was allowing that any bank in 2009, 2010, you know, that whole era, they were so reluctant to give people money. And, um, uh, you know, one of my best friends came to me and wanted to open up his own business. And I was sick of investing in real estate at that time or investing in my team business because I had, I had literally laid off 22 people in a year in 2008. And um, I was like, yeah, let me get out. And so I gave him a bunch of money to start his business and um, it was a payroll business. And uh, now they're in every state in, in the United States. And they're, you know, they've got like 50 employees and they're just rocking. I mean, they're, they're, they're doing extremely well. So I had beginner's luck with that, I think. And then, and then after that, I did invest in a couple more that are, that are doing okay, that I'm actually getting paid on. But of the 16 that I went on to invest in from, say, 2008 to 2016 over the last eight years if let's say i did two a year i would say only about six are actually decent that they will be Probably. here most likely in five years <laughs> um a lot of them are either dead well one two are dead i think um and another <laughs> yeah. eight are like you know trying to raise more money um, you know, not distributing, um, not paying themselves salaries, you know, doing all kinds of things that are indicative of, you know, they're, they're not doing well. Um, so I, I can't say that I'm an excellent picker of small businesses, although, you know, I think that I, I did pick a couple that, uh, are paying me passively. I probably have six that I'm excited about and, 10 that I'm not so excited about, but I think that's kind of how it rolls when you're doing, you know, when you're doing that sort of stuff, you know, and, and I did also learn that, you know, maybe I should stick to what I know, which they, which everybody tells you stick with what you know, but at the same time, it gets boring when you do that. It's certainly a lot more exciting to talk to somebody in the marijuana trade, uh, for me, uh, you know, about how much that, industry is going to blow up than it is about a single family house that rents for 1200 a month, you know? And I think I got caught in on some of that and it was much more exciting for me. And, and so since then, about six months ago, I said, you know, I'm going to stop investing on these. I call them come bets because if you play craps, you know, when you bet on the come, you're betting on, you know, what the next role is essentially. Um, and, um, so I stopped, betting on these combats and I'm um, I'm just investing as far as a business standpoint into my own business which is Rebus University which I'm building an online 
sales training course uh, right now, mainly for real estate agents on to how to, you know, improve their sales skills. And uh, I'm having a lot of fun with that. And that's where my money and focus is going. In the meantime, you know, if, a, if a, somebody calls me and says, hey, I, you know, I want to borrow some money to do a flip or I want to, you know, um, I got this apartment deal, you know, I might throw some money into those. Those are mostly real estate related. But when it comes to these combats, uh, you know, like I'm going to build a, a, a weed dispensary, I'm going to build uh, this high tech company in Austin, Texas, um, I'm done with those. Right. Right, right, right. So talk to me a little bit more about your Rebus University and why, what stemmed the, the, the why? Why did you start that business? Was it, was it a, a need that people wanted to know about more about your techniques and how to become as successful as, as you have been over the years? Or was it, again, another excitement sort of thing that, in a natural progression for your business? Well, yeah, a great question. I mean, I found that there was one of two ways that real estate people or salespeople were learning. And the, the first way is going into a brokerage office or a board of realtors and sitting in a classroom and um, looking at the instructor and doodling and looking at their watch, you know, and just being bored out of their skull. Um, and at least that was my experience with it. And the second was to get a coach who basically kept you highly accountable, you know, made, told you what to do, made you do it. Uh, you paid a, a monthly fee for that, you know, uh, anywhere from a hundred bucks to a couple thousand bucks a month to be coached. Um, and, 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 you know, there's, there's good, those things work. Okay, they're 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 good. Everything works, nothing doesn't. But what I saw a lack for was people who wanted to actually be in control. They wanted to number one be able to control the time that they took a course, where they took a course. I mean, they could take it. Um, and our courses are right now they're 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 long. They're like five to ten hours long, but they're only like in ten minute increments. So you can get a really good bite size course with a small quiz and a quiz has maybe five questions in it, 10 minutes, five to 10 minutes at a time. So it's, it's much more for the ADD type uh, student or the student that, um, that wants to control when they learn. Um, they might want to learn, you know, they might want to take two small modules at seven minutes each when they wake up hungry in the middle of the night, you know? Right, right. Um, so you're saying all real estate agents are ADD, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot of them are, you know? I mean, that's the reality of I'm what just, it is. Just teasing. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So I wanted to create that as some, something that people can control and um, also something that they didn't have to get stuck into a monthly fee for, you know, that they could just say, here, I'll pay 300 bucks and I'll become an expert listing agent or I'll pay, you know, 500 bucks and I'll become – uh, know everything about building a team and I won't be beholden to these, these costs every month. You know, it's kind of like a, you know, a real college or university where you pay for a class, you learn the stuff and then you're done. Right. You know what I mean? You're not, you're not stuck for the rest of your life. It's not, it's not ongoing constantly out of, out of your pocket and stuff like that. No, I get it. Um, and I wanted to dive a little bit into your book and, and, and why you wrote the six step, six steps to seven figures. Can you tell us the motivation behind that book? In your career, you've come to being very successful as a real estate agent. Again, was it a natural progression to, to, to write your memoirs down, write the techniques down that you had learnt over the years in a paperback form? 
Was it a natural progression? I think it was. I think everybody wants to write a book. The first book that I started to write was about being a boss. And this was when I had about 55 people on my team. And it was egotistical, I think. And I was like, oh, I'm a great boss. Well, really what was happening, everybody liked me because I was paying them. You know what I mean? <laughs> and there was a lot of commissions flying. So, of course, we could, you know, we could say, hey, you know, we're going to have a party every you know, first Friday of every month and we're going to do this and we're going to do this. Of course, everyone liked you as a boss, but the reality of it is it's not always like that. And, and sometimes bosses need to be respected more than they need to be liked. So that was kind of a big party and that book failed. It didn't work. And so Jay Papazon, who was the author of the one thing told me, he said, he said, Pap, people want to hear about you. They want to know like, Pat's story or Pat's um, process, you know, how you sell the houses that you sell. So I sat down and I wrote it all out. I gave it my all and it was some 500 pages long. Wow. <laughs> and I shipped it to Jay and he said, this is great, but I need, I really would rather see like an airplane read, which is like um, <laughs> something you could, you know, start on one city. And by the time you finished your flight, you could finish it. And uh, so cut it in half. And so I went about doing that. And it, it was a four-year process, but but it turned out great. And uh, people, you know, that was 2011, and it still sells very well. Um, and I, I hope it's a, it becomes a classic, you know. Yep. Uh, so uh, so anyways, that's, uh, it, it was fun. It was a good venture. It was hard, though. If anybody's thinking about doing it, it's hard work for very little money. I am in the middle of writing a book right now, so I know exactly the pain that you're going through, trying to carve out time to write it, and then it's it's, it's been going on for the last year and a half. But anyway, I won't talk about me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't, you want to talk a little bit about the six steps to to those seven figures, just you know, thirty thousand foot level of the book, um, and the techniques you teach in in, in the book, and how yeah, and, and can it be applied to investing as well, or just for real estate agents? Well, the, the final step in the book, step six, is invest. So that's the final step. So there's a whole chapter on how I invested and what I did. And, and yeah, you can absolutely apply the other five steps to it. And, and these are basically what happened was when, when I cut the book in half, when Jay told me I had to cut the book in half, I went into a library and I spread out all these pages on this huge table for like two weeks. And I tried to say, you know, how am I going to cut this in half? And it bought, I ended up with about six piles, you know, and I was like, okay, well, everything kind of falls into these piles rather than doing a chronological story of my life. Let's just make it six steps to something. And then it came out with six steps to seven figures. So, you know, the first step is set, uh, setting goals and creating affirmations. Uh, the second step is tracking said goals. I'm a track, uh, you know, maniac. And I, anybody successful that I know tracks stuff, you know, I, right before this call, I, you know, just finished reading over multiple profit losses on, you know, businesses and things that I uh, own parts of. And, uh, then the third step is, you know, find the best practices of others through, you know, m mentors and masterminds. And over the years I've had hundreds of mentors, and then recently, when I say recently, within the last 10 years, I started developing mentees, you know, and, that, and writing the book was 
part of my process of, of developing mentees, you know, picking other people up rather than just saying, hey, pick me, pick me, pick mm, me. Right. They've got something that are attracted to you by because you provided them, you know, great content through a book, right? Exactly. That was a, you know, I had a buddy that um, got um, kidney cancer and it wasn't expected. And within four months of the diagnosis, he had died and he was a, a football coach. So, so imagine the mentees that this guy had, right? I mean, I don't know anybody that really gets probably more young men that call him a mentor than a coach. You know, it just, it's just a natural progression that people, that his students stayed in touch with him and sent him Christmas cards and pictures of them and their families as they grew up. You know, they, they, everybody, you know, loved him as the coach, no matter how old they got. And, um, so a lot of his students were 30, 35 years old and, um, were in their, you know, twenties and thirties. He was 47, I think when he died. But, um, so what happened was, uh, I went to the funeral and, you know, there was all these eulogies by these former kids, you know, um, and I was like, man, look, he has so many mentees, you know, people that really he was immortal. He became immortal because his mentees were saying, like, he taught me this. He taught me this. I'll never forget this because I'm teaching it to my own kids now. So his philosophies and his what words that he said were, were have been passed down as coach taught me this. So anyways, I saw that I was like, wow, he's immortal. So, um, so I was like, I need to develop this. And that kind of got me to write the book. You know, that's why I wrote the book was to start giving back. So about 10 years ago, I started doing that. So that was, that's that step. And then the, 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 the next step, step four is act, which is, um, you know, nothing great comes without sacrifice. You know, you have to, there's a whole reap what you sow thing that exists in life that, you know, you reap what you sow. So you need to get out there and work and sow. Um, and then, and then the, the fifth step is build. And I talk about building on a success up. Don't build on a ground up, you know, like, like my podcast, um, my uh, real estate rock stars podcast, you know, that's all about real estate, right? That's my whole, since I'm 21 years old, I've been in real estate. So that's building from a success up. You know, I didn't start a podcast on, um, you know, how to make money on Etsy you know? <laughs> uh, because, you know, that wouldn't be a success up. So I think right. you have to be smart about what you build on. And I talk about that uh, for real estate agents and, of course, anybody, um, how to build on a success. And then the last step is invest invest your money. And it starts out by saying, you know, you, first you got to save money. Most people are, are terrible savers. Um, and uh, first you got to save it. Then you got to invest it wisely. Um, and then, you know, how to do that. So those are, those are the full six steps. No, I think that's uh, some pretty incredible takeaway pieces of advice and using your experience because, you know, all, my underlying questions of all for today's episode was about your experience over time has then led you to down certain paths, right? You know, you've, you've had an experience in, in real estate, becoming a real estate agent. You then were successful as a real estate investor. You went on to become write a book. You're now going on to start a podcast. And I think that's very, very key for anyone out there about being an entrepreneur 
you know, those different steps are very, very important to be, to becoming wealthy. Um, and, and, you know, you are, you know, a, a great, an incredible example of that. And then, you know, I take my hat off to you. So, um, so very, very well done. Uh, Pat, this show is all about helping international investors buy US real estate. Um, you know, I'm Australian. I moved here five years ago and started buying uh, cash flowing real estate. Are you helping any other international investors right now through any of your businesses? You know, that's a great question. You know, one of, one of the businesses I have is DAPT Acquisitions, which um, we buy apartment buildings. Uh, we have now, you know, I think seven total. Um, and uh, the last three we've syndicated. Um, so we do have international investors in some of those. Uh, and I'd love to, you know, uh, get with you if if, if any would like to, you know, continue that. Awesome. Awesome, mate. So, Pat, I'm a quick fire five round questions uh, to end the show. Uh, you ready to jump into it? Sure, sure. Let's do it. Mate, what is the daily habit you practice to keep on track towards your goals? Wow, that's great. That you know, I used to ha I used to be very very focused. I'm 51 now, so you know my my life has become a lot easier than it than it used to be. But I think that the daily habit that like right now I'm looking to hire somebody to be my right hand person to, to help me take Rebus to the next level, and I have a huge poster I'm staring at that says uh, hire one person that will positively change Rebus and my life forever. And, it, and it's big orange right in front of me. I'm looking at it right now on my bulletin board. And I think so my daily goal would be, you know, figure out my, what my one thing is that I, I need to do of utmost importance. Um, and I got this from Gary Keller. He always says, you know, hire one person per year that's going to change your life. So that's, that's what I'm doing, you know, and that, that would be my, I think the daily habit that, that helped me reach the number one team, you know, at Remax and Keller Williams and, and, and do what I did is I, I always hired, you know, incredible people, uh, every year. And that's also what infinity HR does. The, uh, the payroll company that I invested in early on that they just keep adding just phenomenal people. And that's one of the reasons they've succeeded so well. Right, right. And this is a little bit of a sidetrack question, but up until this point over the last, you know, let's say 10 years, have you been solely by yourself after you've left the, the real estate agent game and sort of ventured out on your own with the book and with the podcast and with the investing? Has it been sort of just, you know, Pat Highburn, uh, you know, one man show? Yes, it has pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I haven't, you know, I have some virtual assistants, but it's pretty much been me. Yep. Yep. Cool. Cool. Mate, who is the most influential person in your career to date? Wow. The most influential. Well, I think it all, it all, you know, my, it all started out in the beginning with uh, James Allen as a man thinketh. Um, I really believe that most of my success has come from, you know, again, going back to, to the nativity of, of, of basically being naive and, and just having a belief structure that I can do it. And, and so I would have to say James Allen was probably most influential in, because he he was with me in the very beginning, right? Yeah, right. And he he helped you get to that next step, right? Or make you believe that you do have the ability to go on to achieve all this incredible stuff. 
that it's all up to me. You know, right. it's all in my head and it's up to me. If I want to, if I want to do it, I'll do it. Right. And that's so important, right? It's like people blame uh, such a, you know, point fingers. It's the government's fault. It's, you know, my neighbor's fault. It's someone else's fault that I'm not successful. It's like, no, it's not. It's your fault. <laughs> Get out and take some bloody action. So, um, yeah, good stuff. Hey, mate, I know you'd have a, an influential tool in your business, you know, whether it be a phone, a spreadsheet, something, a book. What is the most influential tool in your real estate business today? It's going to be, uh, you know, QuickBooks. Um, you know, looking at these profit losses that I do, um, and and I look at them all the time. Um, you know, I'm just looking at these horizontal lines. You know, what is paying me sideways? Um, I'm in a mastermind called GoBundance, and uh, we have a tool that we use called a one sheet. And a one sheet is like the back of a baseball card, right? It's kind of like your scorecard, and it and it, and it has you know, how much sideways income, how much horizontal you income you have, how much your personal expenses are. And then the most important line is what you have left to invest. And, um, and it's all about what you have left to invest because most people talk about how much they make or how much they net, but how much do you have left to invest and, and, and are you investing in that? Um, so I would say that tool would be the one sheet by GoBundance and, um, and that's what I use regularly. And of course it has, you know, all kinds of different goals that you have for your family, for your spiritual life, for your, for mentoring, for giving back, all that's tracked. You know, what is your, what is your, uh, money that you donate compared to the money that you, uh, earn, um, it compares everything just like the back of a baseball card and it's uh, quite influential and I look at it every month. Right. Interesting. I'll have to – a one sheet. I'm going to have to create one for myself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I've been – this fourth question I'm actually going to change a little bit. It was the best deal you've completed to date but I'm actually going to flip it on its head and say what's the worst deal you've completed to date? And the lesson you learned from that deal, because, you know, you can, we can, I can get people on this show and they can talk about their success, but, you know, it's about the failures, I think now in life that people learn the most from. So, so what was, what was a failure? What was a deal that went south? You learned a ton of information on, and you said, I'm never going to do that again, or you've changed your investing uh, strategy. Mm. Well, I've got a couple. I mean, I, I've, <laughs> there's no way you wouldn't be successful without a few war wounds. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I mean, I had an apartment deal. I lost. I put in four hundred thirty thousand, and I got back a hundred and ten. That okay? So that so you asked a question again. I want to answer you direct. That was my worst deal financially. That was the one that was like, damn, I just lost like freaking eight years of gains there. For some of these other deals that I did, you know, um, and and that one had to do with we kind of jumped into a big apartment deal. Um, where we were way over our heads and um there were two mur there was like a murder that happened and then the city you know sent us some notice and said hey you know you need to tighten this place up we listened but we didn't listen fast enough then there was another murder on the premises and then they said hey you know, we're going to, if you don't, if you're on super secret double probation, you know, if you, um, we're going to start putting liens against this property and force you to, you know, and we're going to take it from you or remove your rental license, you know? 
And um, it was all kinds of stuff that they can do, right, if they want to. So we were looking at another million bucks um, to meet the criteria of what the city wanted. And we didn't want to throw good money after bad. And uh, we were afraid, you know, what if we can't fix this up? And there were some other problems with it. And um, I, you know, it was all kind of our whirlwind. And we, we didn't think that we were going to lose so much. But then we put it on, there was a multiple uh, errors that we did. Then we put it on auction.com as a way to sell it rather than with a broker. And we thought, you know, um, we get more money that way. I think now looking back, we got less money. That was a mistake. Um, and so it all happened like in this fury. And the, and again, I wasn't the only one in charge. You know, I was an investor, but I was like one of, of, of um, four people in it. There was only four, there was only four people in it. So we were in control. And to make a long story short, and I wasn't the heaviest investor, believe it or not. There was another guy in it for seven hundred, and and the guy in for seven hundred had actually signed on the loan, so he was freaking out a little bit more, you know. And I think he was putting a lot of pressure on, well, let's just get it done, and and so I was like, okay, you know, I'll I'll go with whatever you guys want to do. I mean, I don't regret it because I don't know what what it would be like today. It could could have costed me another three hundred grand. So, anyways, just to to give you the details without sounding vague, that's what happened. And then we went, you know, we sold it, but I lost three hundred on that. And then, um, so, and I've had, you know, a couple of these little companies. I had, you know, just recently, I had a small one. I had a, a marijuana dispensary in Maryland. I gave the guy twenty five grand to uh, get the license when when we put up the money. Uh, there was only like 30 names in the pool of 15 stores. So we had a 50-50 chance and we felt pretty good. We were ex an extremely solid, uh, you know, proposal put together that we were going to win this bid. But then the state kept prolonging it and, and the, the Baltimore Sun and the Washington Post kept running articles about, you know, marijuana coming to Maryland, you know, da, 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 da. And, and, by the time that the bidding process happened, it was about four times as many applicants. So we went from like 30 applicants to like 120 applicants for only 15 licenses. And to make a long story short, we, we didn't get the license. I lost the 25 grand. Poof. Just like that. I mean, it was like, it was like uh, when I wrote the check, it was like a sure thing, you know? I mean, we felt great about it. When I, when it went poof, I wasn't surprised. So I think the moral of the story for both of these is it's not always what it seems. I can remember the exact physiological and emotional feelings I had on the days that I got into both of these deals. And um, I was excited. I was, I was fired up to write the check. I was excited. I was going to, you know what I mean? This, this sounded great. And uh, I did due diligence on both of them. I went to this this apartment building, you know, it was in Texas. I went to it and spent a couple of days there. I met with this guy with the weed thing, you know, three or four times. You know, the moral of the story is you, things aren't always what they seem when you're emotionally getting involved in things. There's there's very there's many things that could happen later on 
uh, and you just got to uh, be prepared. And I don't know if uh, if the if the lesson is do a whole bunch. Some of these other tech guys that I talk to, like I know some players that do a lot of tech investing in in Austin, Texas, and and they're like, well, you know, it's not about picking the right one. It's about picking the right. 20 and maybe one <laughs> one fish will pop out of that pond you know rapid fire <laughs> yeah yeah so you got to have some some heart for that you know i you know i tell my wife all the time i said we really won't know what investments were good and what investments were bad until we're about 85 years old and we're sitting on the front porch of a mobile home <laughs> you know and a kid comes by and He's talking to me and he says, Mr. Hyman, what was your, what was the smartest investment you did and the dumbest investment you did? Because everything changes, man. Everything, everything changes. Uh, I don't care what it is. No, nothing stays the same. So. 100%. <laughs> yeah. So with that, just quickly on that, I, I know time is precious, but on that multifamily unit property, that's a little bit of a hard one to pick, right? Uh, two murders happening on the property, like you can't. I had an issue with one of mine. I had a drive-by shooting. Uh, the son of the tenant wasn't. It was the cause of it, and it's. I, I didn't know how to fix that. Besides, I just had to evict them. But for the murders, that's that's kind of tough to <laughs> to to foresee that that's going to happen, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. And then we, you know, I don't even know if they ever got solved. It was like an episode of Cops. You know what I mean? Like it was like. You know, it's just, it, 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 it was, here's the thing. Here's the mistake too. We, it was a, it was more, we thought it was like a C minus property and it was really like a D minus. And we didn't know, none of us knew anything about Fort Worth, Texas, other than there's an airport there. So I think that, you know, like I'm, I'm from Maryland originally and there are parts of Baltimore city. You could say, oh, that's not a bad part. And other parts of Baltimore City is like, man, I would never go there even in the daytime. And so people from that area can sense that. But I think people coming in from the area, they say, oh, Baltimore, there's no difference between, you know, this part of Baltimore and this part of Baltimore and this part of Baltimore. But the, the truth is there's there's a huge difference, you know, and there was a huge difference in this part of Fort Worth versus this part of Dallas versus this part of Fort Worth. You know what I mean? Like, so we didn't know, we didn't have enough boots on the ground knowledge on that one. We, we, and, and we just went in deep and it would been, it would have been our first major property uh, in a really, really rough neighborhood. Yeah. Well, Lessons learned. <laughs> I don't even know if we went there at night. You know, we should have went there at night. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know. it's, it's funny you say one of the first ever property tours I did when I moved to the United States back in 2011 was a property was property tours or market tours, I should say, of Baltimore. And I remember doing a one of the New York rear clubs took us down, and oh, I remember looking some pretty sketchy houses. Like the whole street was just vacant and. You know, walking properties and kicking syringes out of the road, and just you know, oh, don't go down that street because you want to. It's it's a rough street. And I, it was my first experience of of American uh, hoods, so to speak, and uh, yeah, it was eye opening. So you know, I learned a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's fascinating that that stuff even exists. I've I've taken guests um, down to some of those streets and stopped the car and got out and said, look 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 around, and every every row house is boarded up. Yep. 
far as you could see. And they're like, where are we? What is this? Right. You know, some, how did this happen? Some apocalyptics, you know, <laughs> zombie, zombie world. And then, and they were trying to flog the houses to us. Oh, this is only $10,000. Like it's $10,000, but no one's going to live in it. <laughs> There's no neighbors. <laughs> Someone might live in it, but they're not going to pay rent. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. The, the dope, the dope fiends call them abandoniums. Abandoniums. <laughs> So, Pat, look, mate, you've given me such awesome – or us such awesome information. Um, where can people reach you to continue the conversation? They want to hit you up on uh, you know, Facebook or your, your website or your, your own podcast. Where can they go? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if they just go to patheiben.com, that's a, a general site and it'll have links to all of my other sites and everything we talked about. Just go to patheiben.com and – of course, you can go. You know, I'm on. I'm on all the social media channels: Facebook and uh, Twitter and LinkedIn and whatever. Just, just type my name in. Nice, nice man. Well, mate, I really, really appreciate you coming on here, giving us some cracking survival tips about you know the six steps to seven figures and just your story in general. It's really, really incredible. Huge pat on the back to all your successes, and it's good to hear that we all have some failures and, and you've lessons learned from those failures. But, uh, but thanks for dropping by. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll catch up soon. Sounds good, Reed. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Cheers, mate. Well, there you have it. Another great episode, jam-packed full of such incredible investing advice and just life experience. Pat is truly, truly a hugely successful entrepreneur, but you know, it was great to hear that he's had some failures. And I'm going to be more on the show talking about some failures that people have had because it's all well and good to have the success in your life. But I can't just take success away and, you know, you guys can't take it away and just put it into your life. You need to hear the failures to say, okay, yeah, check. Don't do that, right? So, Absolutely incredible stuff. 28 years or 27 years of investing experience, 57 horizontal lines of income streams. That's incredible. You know, truly diversified uh, investor, you know, entrepreneur in, in the marijuana industry, in, in, in you know, loan industry. He's also investing in, in real estate, has his online educational platforms. He is got it going. So guys, if you do want to any links that we did mention on today's show, please head over to my website at rsmpropertygroup.com. Remember to click on the podcast tab. If you have any comments on the show, please uh, hit me up at uh, tweet me at Reed Goosens. That's R E E D G O O S S E N S. Or you can shoot me an email with all, any of your comments or any of your you know things you want me to cover in future episodes at info at rsnpropertygroup.com. I hope this episode has inspired you to get off the couch and take some massive action and start investing in US real estate. Uh, thanks again for taking some time out of your day to tune in to, to continue to grow your real estate investing knowledge because that is what we're all about here on this show, continuing to grow your financial IQ. We're going to do this all again next week, guys. So take care, be safe, and remember, happy investing. Happy investing.